Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Today, we're going to be talking about the golf bets for this week at the Workday, uh, Merrifield Village, same exact spot we're going to be next week. So already the DraftKings video came out. Be sure to watch that DraftKings video. I go very in-depth on specific price ranges for Daily Fantasy Sports DraftKings, but also more in-depth on the contest itself, on the actual tournament itself. We'll go through a brief rundown, but this is Monday morning. So I'm actually recording this a day earlier because I want to get the best possible lines. And I usually like to target and lay bets on guys that just stand out for some reason or another. Maybe a book hung a wrong line that usually happens at least once a week, or maybe there's just guys that I like. And and like last week at Harold Varner opening up at like minus 150, minus 125 on some books, he gets bet down to 60 to one. It was an obvious standout error on their part. So if you're here, if you're a betting man or woman, welcome into the channel. I appreciate you being here. We'll do a little bit of a breakdown of the actual course itself, but then we're going to go through which players at least stand out to me. This is my first look at it, right? This is my first look at the odds. I'm going to mark guys that I want to place bets on, either place bets on them live right here or probably right after the stream. And we will go from there. So I appreciate it. If you hit the like button on this video, it really does help me out a lot. And hit the big old subscribe button that's about to pop up on the screen. That does help me as well. Hitting that subscribe button within the video allows more people to see it. YouTube says, all oh, these people are engaging. Let's show it to more people. So I appreciate it. If you do that, we're going to go down through the different ranges, right? The guys who are in the teens. Nobody's in the single digits, at least right now. I see on some books, J- JT, Justin Thomas is in the single digits but not in most spots as of right now, based on the early lines on Monday morning. We just had Bryson coming off of a single digit win. The first single digit win that I can remember in quite some time. It might've been since JT uh, in Hawaii to start the year at the Tour of Champions. I can't remember. I believe he was like seven to one there, six to one. And he won at that point. There might've been another single digit winner since then, but most of the favorites haven't won. We've been living in that like 30 to one to 60 to one range. And honestly, I like living in that range. You get more for your money's worth. You get to get a couple more bets in there rather than laying a huge number on one guy like Bryson last week. Worked out for you last week. But like you can see, it's been pretty much that 30 range the last like six or seven events before that so let's talk a little bit about the course as well in case you didn't see the DraftKings video and if you did this is just a brief reminder so you're going to get this event for the first time this workday event on this specific weekend and it's just at Merrifield Village again because of COVID right they were supposed to have the John Deere Classic this week and they said John Deere said nah it's our 50th anniversary we don't want to do it this year we don't want to do it in this style with no fans and all that stuff so they ended up canceling it until 2021 is going to be the John Deere 50th anniversary so they just propped up the workday event and they're just going to play back-to-back weeks at where the memorial is usually played Merrifield Village. So what you get there is this week, they're trying to change the course a little bit in minor ways that might actually make some difference. So the course usually plays a touch under 7,400 yards, but today it's going to play at 7,456 yards. And the main differences that they did were they added about 17 yards to one of the par threes, and then they made two of the par fives a little bit longer. So distance will matter a little bit more, but normally distance doesn't matter here. It's pretty much spot on in the pass at the Memorial with the distance at the Memorial compared to the tour average. So guys who are bombers, sure, they'll have like maybe a, a slightly more advantageous edge here compared to normal because they're going to add somewhere around like 60 yards to the course, but nothing major. I believe we get seven of the top 15 in the world here. So still a decent sized tournament, still a decent field. I mean, you had a bunch of guys skip last week and those guys are back in the field this week. When you look at the JTs, the Cantleys, the Roms, the Brooks, the Xanders, all those guys, uh, you have Justin Rose showing back up, Morikawa, all these guys are going to show up after skipping what was a pretty weak field last week that Bryson got to take advantage of. Last year, the cut line was plus two at the Memorial. The year before that, it was plus one and then it was plus four in 2017. So this does play like a more difficult course, especially what we're just coming off of where two years ago or last year, you ended up having Nate Lashley win 25 under. And this year you had Bryson winning last week at 23 under. So you're going to be a much more different course. You're going to see a birdie or better is going to matter at those courses where it's a birdie fest. This one is just going to be look at guys who can play difficult courses, who can scramble well, and who can just avoid bogeys. Those are some things to look at at a high level, but key stats that I'm going to be looking at for specific players is as always, T to green play and approach player very important for me. Par four scoring between 450 and 500 yards is very important 
important here because six of the par fours here are going to be between 400 and 450 yards. Nothing else has more than two of that type of a range, right? From 400 to 450, there's only two. From 500 to 550, there's only two. So you're going to have a pretty huge advantage there if you're somebody who thrives in that 450 to 500 range, which usually means your approach shot for the most part will, will be somewhere around 175 uh, to 200, maybe 150 to 175. And that range is where I'll be looking. It was easy to hit fairways here for the most part at the Memorial the last couple of years, 68% of the time compared to the tour average of 60% and 62% of the time a greens and regulation was hit compared to the tour average of 65%. So a little bit easier by a decent amount, almost 10% easier to hit the fairways here, but a little bit higher, harder, maybe two or 3% harder uh, to actually hit the green and regulation. So nothing major there. It's a par 72. They're playing on bent grass greens. And last year at the Memorial, at least if we want to use that for the comparison, because it's the same course, just a different tournament, going to change uh, the course a little bit with the length. Like we said, Patrick Cantley ended up winning last year. There's 13 water hazards here in 70 bunkers, but uh, yeah, you're going to have a lot of hazards. So obviously keeping up with that on some specific golfers as well will be important. So let's look at the board. I have the board over my shoulder. I'm using just one that shows a bunch of different odds pages. If this place wants to sponsor my video, they can, and then we can do a little bit of a promotion there. Uh, but for right now, we're just going to look at the board. You can see JT up top as the favorite in this one, 11 to one odds to win this event. I see him at nine to one in some spots. I just probably don't want to take that number. I do like though that they didn't go single digits anywhere. This is a loaded field yet again, at least top heavy type of a field, right? And I should also point out the way that everybody got in this was pretty much by winning or being high up on the FedEx uh, cup points. So, and I, I have a link, I'll put it in the description on exactly how the D- PJ tour decided the qualifications for this event. It's pretty much be a good golfer. Like you're going to have some sponsors exemptions on here. Like Chase Kepka ended up pulling last week. So he's just going to be an exemption here. He's not a, a fantastic player by any means. So you'll have some golfers like that as always, but for the most part, it's going to be once again, a loaded field, similar to what you usually see at the Memorial. So up top JT, let's start looking and doing a little bit of a deeper dive analysis at some of these places here. If we want to go up top overall, it's hard not to like Justin Thomas when you just look at the player himself, right? He's number one in strokes gain total in this field. There's no Rory here. He's number one in T to green play in this field. But what has he done lately? He's been pretty consistent outside of the last time we saw him at the Travelers where he missed the cut and it was just a really bad putting round. Now we're not used to seeing that out of Justin Thomas. He lost 5.4 strokes putting. Well, what did he do the rounds before that? He gains 2.8, he gains 1.3, he gains 3.6. That's obviously a standout performance in terms of a bad one that stands out because of the putter. But before that, he finished eighth at the Heritage, 10th at the Charles Schwab. So back-to-back top 10s coming back from the break and six at the WGC Mexico. So there's nothing wrong with JT. It's just the fact that I don't want to be betting these teens. So like I look at these teens right now, and if I had to give you one player that I'd probably take, um, in these, in this range right here, the best odds that you're going to get on these guys, probably in the left column right here, the quick bet side. I don't really love any of them. Hideki, I will say led the field in T to green play, but each of the last two rounds, the last time that we saw him this past weekend. So he, he ended up gaining over four strokes T to green leading the field, both of those rounds. So his game seems to be going, but what was the one issue with him the whole weekend as it usually is the putter. He was gaining T to green in major ways. And he was literally losing a half a stroke, losing a stroke with the putter. He wasn't benefiting himself at all. So even though he made a huge run, he was never really in a, a contention standpoint or a chance to win because his putter was just dead. You have the defending champ, Patrick Cantley here, but for me, it's probably going to be John Rahm. Like, I don't want to bet any of these teens, guys, but if I did bet one, it would be John Rahm arguably right now the best player in this field ahead of JT. The way that JT is playing, I would say that he's the best player out of all these these teens types players. But you're talking about world rank. If you're talking about overall upside, John Rahm's right up there, if not higher than JT. The issue is he hasn't been playing well since the break. He missed a cut at the Charles Schwab. He finished 33rd at the RBC Heritage. And then he finishes 37th at the Travelers. At the Travelers, his approach play just kind of blew up, which is something that I really want to make sure is, is keen in on here. So that was a little bit of an issue for him. At the RBC Heritage, he just, he played, eh, he played okay, right? He just didn't get low enough. It wasn't anything terrible. He finished uh, T33. 
And then he lost four strokes at the Charles Schwab Classic, which is not something you're used to seeing because he normally, as of late, his last 20 rounds, he gains about two strokes with the putter, but he ended up losing 4.2 with the putter. So that one you could wipe off. I think his game's fine. It's just another reason why, though, nothing stands out in a positive sense for me to go, okay, John Rahm's the guy that I want. In terms of guys that are trending in the right direction, you've had Xander with leads down the back nine and a couple of tournaments now at 18 to one. He stands out. You obviously have Patrick Cantley, who looked fine in his first event back. Hideki has now looked fine after his second event back. So there are guys that are trending. I would say Hideki's the one who's trending the most based on this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday, leading the field in T to green play. John Rahm would be the one bet in the teens I would make. I personally will not be probably betting anybody in the teens. You can get my final betting card just over on Twitter at Salvetri DFS, but let's get down into this 20 and 30 range now. So if anything, my card would probably start here with Victor Hovland. I see some 25 to one numbers out there on him. He's 22 to one in most spots, but you can find 25 to one if you look just across the board at some of these, these um, overall odds comparison tools. Uh, but what I have right now from Victor Hovland is he's the exact same for the most part that he was last week in a very worse field. Now it's a much better field. Like Hovland was one of maybe like the top 10 golfers easily in that field last week. He was priced on DraftKings as a top five golfer. And now you have in this field, maybe eight to 10 guys that are going to be priced higher than him or right there with him. He ended up being like 30% in DraftKings. He was a very popular bet last week. And it's just hard not to like the guy. This is what he's done since returning 23rd, 21st, 11th, and a 12th. He's trending so well. What has it been to the common issue? What is his overall common issue? He just sucks with the putter. This has been his overall putting uh, strokes gained, and I should say strokes lost since the break. Zero strokes gained the first event back of the Charles Schwab. Then he loses 0.3. And he loses 3.3 and 3.5. He finished 11th two weeks ago at the Travelers, lost 3.3 strokes putting, one of the worst in the field. He finished 12th last year at the last week of the Rocket Mortgage. He lost 3.5 stroke putting, one of the worst in the field. If this guy, if this guy would have lost only one stroke putting last week, he might have won the whole damn event over uh, Bryson or at least finished T2, T3. So Victor Hovland's game is trending in the right direction. He's very similar to Hideki. These guys, T to Green, are absolutely elite. He's a top three T to Green player in this field. His irons and his ball striking is on par. And if not better than par, if you will, but now you're in a spot where it's just really hard to like a number that was the exact same as last week's. And yes, you got another week of confirmation bias that, okay, this guy is good. Everything is clicking except the putter. But what happens when he has one bad tee to green round? Because we've seen nothing consistent in the putter. We haven't even seen like a round that's really made you go, okay, he's found something here. So Hovland for me is a very interesting play for DraftKings. Maybe you want to bet him top 20. Maybe you get some positive odds on that at this point. I don't know. If you find a positive odds bet on top 20, I would like that, like a plus 150, something like that. But right now, looking at Victor Hovland outright to win in this type of a field, I would need to see a 30 to one number. And you're probably not going to get that 25 to one is pretty nice. It's close, but probably not going to get there for me. You see guys, just a 20 range is pretty thin, right? Justin Rose and Hovland. So I'm probably not going to be interested in there. Now we start to get to the ranges that I like the 30 to 50 to one odds. These are where I already probably feel myself probably going to get a better two. So you saw Ricky come out last week and Ricky looked decent for a little while, I guess you can say. Uh, He looked really good to start. He was leading this event in the first round. He ended up posting a six under and then he struggled after that. The putter did come alive. I believe in the fourth round, he looked good. His putter, which has been something that historically has been good for him as of late, not as great. The last two events before this losing with the putter, but he went back to gaining 1.2 with the putter. Best that we've seen out of him since March 1st at the Honda. But the numbers on Ricky 30 to one, 20 to one in some spots. No, thank you at all. I just can't get there with Ricky. He did finish T12 at the Rocket Mortgage, which is good. His T to green play was clicking 4.9 strokes gained T to green. Every single thing he gained strokes in. That was the first time he gained strokes off the T in two events. That was the first time he gained strokes putting in two events. So his game is clicking. I just don't want to drop the 30 to one number in this field. If you show me a 40 to 45 to one number, like we saw at a DJ, like we saw out of a guy in Brooks Kepka just two weeks ago, I believe at the Charles Schwab. Now I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that a little bit more. Or that might've been at Heritage, those numbers. I would say like, I like that a little bit more, but I'm, I'm assuming based on what we're going to see in these thirties and forties, there's probably going to be a better, better tube out there. If there's not, I'll come back and I'll look at Ricky again, but the 30 to one, the 28 to one right now, not something I want to touch in this field. We get down to Patrick Reed now and Patrick Reed does stand out. He's a guy that had been a little bit hesitant on playing some of these weeks. And now this is a longer course for him. And that's 
not a total uh, disadvantage for a guy in Patrick Reed. I mean, his off the tee plays 42nd. He's just not as elite off the tee at some of these bigger courses. But again, the driving distance is average to the tour. He's the number one short game player in this field since we don't see Webb Simpson here this week, who again was threatening to uh, win last week coming into the final day. Patrick Reed's game's been a little bit up and down, but you know that he can just click, right? He, he finished for 51st at the Genesis earlier this year, and I believe February, and then he won the next week at a loaded field at the WGC. This is nowhere near as good of a field as a WGC event. Maybe it's close, maybe nowhere near is a little bit extreme, but I do think that Patrick Reed can come off of being cold and win, right? He just missed the cut at the Rocket Mortgage, finished 24th at the Travelers, missed the cut at the Heritage, finished 7th at the Charles Schwab, but again, he finished 51st at Genesis and then won the WGC event. 30 to 1 is a nice number. I'd rather bet Patrick Reed 30 to 1 than Ricky Fowler. Looking at how he missed the cut at the Rocket Mortgage, just everything was not clicking. Lost over a stroke putting, lost over a stroke on approach, lost two strokes T to green total. When you factor it all up, he lost two strokes to the to the field and he missed the cut. And the big thing is the putter, right? When Patrick Reed putter is not going, he's just not going to have a good round, right? He lost 1.4 strokes with the putter last week. He misses the cut. He lost one stroke with the putter at the Heritage. He misses the cut. He gains seven strokes at the Charles Schwab Classic with the putter. Number one short game player in the field. He ends up finishing seventh. He gains 11.8 strokes with the putter, just like unheard of type numbers, really great at the WGC event. And he wins that. But then what happens once he starts doing bad again? His past two events that he's lost strokes with the putter, he's missed the cut. The stroke before that, he finished 51st at, or the tournament before that, he finished 51st at the Genesis. And the tournament before that, that he lost strokes with the putter, he missed the cut at the Sony. So if he loses strokes with the putter, there's a really good chance that he's finishing either dead fucking last and making the cut or he's just missing the cut, right? So that's the issue with Patrick Reed. On a course now that short game is going to matter, but you're also going to need a little bit of distance. I'm a little bit worried about it, but I'd rather be betting Patrick Reed than, uh, than Ricky Fowler. I want to see what the rest of these numbers look like in this trade. Reed for me right now is the one who stands out the most from everybody we've talked about. So I'm going to just click his name just to star him there with a little bit of an X. Now this is the range that I usually like, and I'm a sucker for this range. Colin Morikawa is here at 33 to one. You have Sanjay Im right now at, at 35th game. His, his game a little bit and Sanjay's is sort of struggling. We're not used to seeing this out of Sanjay seeing like a month or so of a struggling game. What do you have out of him? Well, he came back from the break and he finished 10th then a missed cut, then a 58th, then a 53rd. He's just not clicking overall. He lost strokes in three different categories. T to green, which is the first time he's lost strokes T to green since the February Genesis where he ended up missing the cut. Uh, off the tee, which is the first time that Sanjay's lost strokes off the tee all the way back until January at the AMAX where he finished 10th. The third week in a row, he's lost strokes on approach, but he finally got the putter back. So I'm a little bit concerned about Sanjay. Um, I see a 40 to one number out there. That's pretty nice. So I'm going to star Sunjay mainly because of the 40 to one number. Alan Morikawa is out there at 33 to one. I think Morikawa is nice as well. This is the range that I feel like I'm going to be getting a lot of my bets in on. Kyle Morikawa comes into this field, number three in ball striking, number two in approach and a number 10 DraftKings score. So we could just put up a lot of birdies is what that pretty much says. And he, and he finishes high. Now he missed the cut at the Travelers for the first time in 23 starts. That's not great. And he was bad everywhere. He lost 4.5 strokes T to green. I don't think I can currently bet Kyle Morikawa because of what we've seen the last two weeks. His game is a little bit worrisome. If you're somebody who misses three and five put, foot putts. That's okay. As long as your tee to green game is clicking and it has been elite, but not as of late last two contests. He lost a stroke with the putter at the RBC heritage, 4.5 strokes and missed the cup at the travelers. He finished 64th, almost dead fucking last at the RBC heritage, but also he lost strokes on approach. He lost strokes around the green and putting in each of his last two events. I'm a little bit concerned. Now you could tell me he took the week off, played some casual golf and got it all back together, but seeing all these things go off at once and, and him losing them all at once, I would need to see one week of him gathering himself. He might get back and be fine tee to green, but if the approach play is still lacking, that's going to hurt him here. So Colin Mark, I was somebody that right now I'll pass on. Matt Kuchar has had wins here. He's had success here, of course. Neiman is somebody who stands out as 
Very similar to Morikawa in terms of where he's good at. He's good when it comes to tee to green. He's good when it comes to ball striking. But your issue with Neiman is always going to be around the green and putting. The short game is just not going to be there. But Neiman, as of late, playing very, very well. Finished fifth at the RBC Heritage, where he actually held the lead overnight. Right now, you see odds on Neiman at 45 to 1. I think that's the best number that you're going to find on him right now. I see 40 and 35 in some spots. I'm going to mark Neiman here for 45 to 1. I don't know if I'm going to bet that. The bets that I place right now, um, I'm not totally positive if I want to place the Sunjay bet. Uh, but the 30 to 1 bet on Reed, I think I'll place. Uh, Neiman at 45 to 1 is my next closest like right now. You saw him last week lose 6.3 strokes with the putter. That's just what Neiman's going to do. His last 10 events, he's losing over a stroke with the putter. So not great. Not something that you're going to be able to rely on. Just not a good putter. As long as he's sinking three and five foot putts, he'll be there right in contention. But he ended up blowing himself up at the Travelers finishing 63rd. But a fifth and a 32nd the two weeks before that. And the putter, he ended up getting massive with the approach play. You like that. The putter, he only lost a half a stroke with and he finished fifth. His tee to green play, he had 11.2 strokes. So he had a really nice tee to green showing in approach play and finished fifth. Um, other than that, 45th is interesting for an upside type of a play. I might rather just bet him top five or even first round leader. I'm a little bit concerned about the overall play, but so right now, Neiman is maybe a bet for me. Reed is probably going to be a bet. Spieth, probably not. Mark Leishman is interesting. I see a 45 to one number on him. Always a guy who can kind of come out of nowhere and just win an event. I'll also call out that I'm not going to look at the bombs. I'm probably going to go up to like 60 to 80 to one because I can spend two hours alone just looking at the 125 to one guys, right? That's going to be the range of where like a hundred golfers are going to be this week. So I go to Mark Leishman. Now you're looking at him winning the farmers, a 43rd, a 42nd, a second at the Arnold Palmer, missing the cut of the Charles Schwab and finishing 58 at the Travelers. What has gone wrong with Mark Leishman's game since the break, right? He's finished miscut cut and 58. Well, the putter is always something that's going to be a little bit skeptical with him, or at least it has been as of late. He's lost 2.1 strokes and 1.8 in his last two events. Around the green play has really gone away too. So his short game has just looked terrible. He's lost in short game 4.8 strokes and 4.8 strokes back-to-back weeks. And then if you're looking at his overall strokes game total, back-to-back losses. So Leishman at this number right now, a 45 to one. It is interesting. I'll mark it down, but I'm not loving it all that much. I see something that I like a lot. This is an insta bet. I don't don't even have to talk to you. This is going to be an insta bet uh, right now. Gary Woodland is coming into this event 55 to one. This is a wrong number. Like this book has laid a wrong number. I talked about it with, um, I forgot what it was. Uh, I think it was uh, Harold Varner last week, right? He was way too high out there for the event in the field that he was in. Gary Woodland being 40 and 33 to one and 35 to one on most sites, but being 55 to one on this site right here. Yeah, go ahead, get yourself some Gary Woodland. 55 to one, that's gonna be an auto bet the second I end this show. Hopefully it's still there. He's looked bad in the last two events, right? He finished, this is where he's done, right? So since returning a ninth of the Charles Schwab looked very good, was actually there on Sunday and then just fell apart. But then a 62nd and a miscut of the Travelers. The Tita Green game has fallen apart the last two events. Four and a half strokes lost to the green at the Heritage. Three and a half strokes to the Travelers. He lost a ton of strokes off the tee. These are not good things, right? But unlike a guy like Kyle Morikawa, who is struggling in very similar ways in his last two events, Kyle Morikawa's number is at 30 to one, 33 to one. I'm seeing Gary Woodland. If he, if I could get him at 33 to one, I might not like it. But 55 to one for Gary Woodland is an insta bet for me. This is a guy who can come out cold and win an event. We've seen him do it. Literally last year at the Memorial, he finished 52nd and then won his next event at the US Open in a major way, right? We know that this guy can win big boy events. We've seen them. We've seen him finishing high this year alone. Top 10 finishes at the Hero, at the Tour Champions, at the Honda, at the Charles Schwab. He's finished top 10 in pretty much somewhere around 40 to 50% of his events that he's attended this year. So a 55 to one bet on Gary Woodland is pretty much an insta, an insta bet for me. So right now I like Reed 30 to one. I like Gary Woodland 55 to one. Some interest in Neiman, some interest in Sanjay, but I might not end up getting there again. My final card will be posted on Twitter at Salvetry DFS. I could have one second of your time before this video continues to go on. Please do check out Superdraft. They're the sponsor of this video. 
And using the promo code Sal, they'll give you 10 free dollars to play with a bonus and then 100% deposit match up to $50. What they are is a multiplier format. So if you know daily fantasy sports, if you know DraftKings, if you like betting a little bit over there, you can just pretty much build a lineup of six guys that you want to play, right? And depending on how good Super Draft thinks those golfers are going into the event, that's how many multiplier points. So if it's the favorite, Justin Thomas, if he scores 50 points uh, because he gets a bunch of birdies and whatever else, then you'll multiply that by one because he's really good. But if you pick somebody down below here, maybe like a Bubba Watson, maybe he has like a 1.5x multiplier. So he'll get more points, but he's not as good of a golfer. So it's kind of like this puzzle, right? So if you want 10 free dollars, if you want 100% deposit match up to $50, go over to Superdraft down below, use the promo code Sal or just a link and you'll get yourself 10 free dollars to play with. And then also 100% deposit match. So check them out. The proud sponsor of this show, let them know you came from me using the promo code Sal. That is S-A-L. So now we're quickly into the 60 range. And this is probably where I'll start to end up uh, closing this thing off. You saw Matthew Wolf kind of falling apart. I see some 66 to ones out there. I'm probably not going to touch that in this field. Going down a little bit more, Jason Day, I don't want to touch. Scotty Scheffler shot seven over and then shot seven under to, to go even, but still missed the cut by five strokes. So not great. That's just, that's just what Scotty will do. Since he's come back, he's been very erratic within tournaments himself. He'll be leading the first round leader and then he'll lose four strokes, but then he'll gain six the next day, right? And he'll kind of just be up and down and seesawing. Too much for me to want to bet there outright. I see Corey Connors at 80 to one. He's 66 to one in some spots. Connors actually stands out nicely here. The distance will help him at this type of a place. It's just a matter of does he hit the greens and regulations, which on average are a little bit harder, like I said at the top of the show, which can be an issue for him. He's a he's a top 20 or a, or a miscut, right? He's boomer bust in a major way. He's This is his last five, five events. Miscut, miscut, 19, 21st miscut. He's been the leader in some rounds as well. 80 to one in this field is a nice number. I would like to see the triple digits numbers on him. So I think you can probably get a guy in the triple digits that I'd rather have at 125 to one that has similar upside to winning this event than Connors at 80, but 80 is going to be the best number that you get on Connors. Again, it all comes down to the putter. His last event, he lost over four strokes with the short game around the green and teeter green. And that's why you missed the cut. His events before that, he gained 2.3 and only lost a half a stroke. So if he's losing less than a stroke with a putter and around the green, he's probably going to make the cut and finish like top 30 and have a chance to at least win at some point. But if he's not doing that and if he's missing the greens and regulation, you can kiss your weekend goodbye because he's probably not making the cut for you. So 80 to one is the best number on that. Harold Varner's down here again. Harold Varner has been trending in a very good direction. He just played consistent golf. He didn't get really red hot and go super low, but he played good golf. He shot seven under. He ended up having an eagle and like five birdies on Friday to push himself under, made the cut. And then he had just a consistent weekend. I think he shot like two and three under. So Harold Varner at 90 to one is somebody that I can see myself loading up on again. And now we hit that bomb range of hundred to one. So I'm going to stop the video there. I'll just review sort of what I kind of went over during this video right now. So if I had to go for a guy in these teens range, right? The guy who stands out to me the most is probably John Ron. And John Rom's number has already been bet down literally during this video on most of the sites. He, st- he opened at 16 to one. He's now down to 14 to one. So it looks like we got that right. John Rom is now already below Hideki and Cantley as a guy who's already been bet down. So somebody's been watching this. So at 14 to one, probably not as interested as 16 to one. It seems like a minor change, but it's a good amount over the long term. If you're betting 50 bucks on this, that's a hundred dollar difference. So John Rom would be the guy in the teens for me. The guy in the twenties, there's only two. I would choose Hovland over Rose, but I don't really want either of them. And then if we get to the thirties, no numbers have changed yet, but I want Patrick Reed here for sure. And Gary Woodland at 55 to one. So I'm going to go place the bet on Woodland at 55 to one and Patrick Reed at 30 to one. And then I'm going to end up going and getting Sunjay at 30, at probably 40 to one if I could find it, but that's a maybe, right? That's not finalized. Neiman 45 to one, not finalized and Leishman 45 to one. I'll probably place a bet on either Leishman, Neiman or M and that'll be my third bet. And then I'll throw like one or two bombs in there from the hundred range, maybe Harold Varner at 90 to one. But from this first look from this video, I appreciate you hanging out. The two definite bets that I'm going to be placing right now are going to be Patrick Reed, actually 33 to one. There's a number out there, a couple spots on Patrick Reed and Woodland 55 to one is just an 
Instabet right when I saw that. Thank you for tuning in. Please do hit the like button on this video and the big old subscribe button that pops up. Do hit that as well. It really does help this channel grow. If you watch to this point, please do that. It allows more people to see the video. YouTube says, oh, they're subscribing. They're engaging within. Let's show it to more people. And that's the best thing you can do to support me for free. You can also go down below on Patreon. I have daily fantasy sports content over there. Projections, rankings, more podcasts and things like that to prepare you for daily fantasy sports and give you the edge that you need to take down some big tournaments. And lastly, Superdraft, the proud sponsor of today's show. Check them out. You get a $10 free bonus upon deposit using the promo code SAL. That is SAL for those of you on the podcast. And it'll give you a 100% deposit match up to $50 rooskies. Go ahead, get it. We're talking some betting golf right now. This was a fun time. Check out the DraftKings video if you have not yet already. My name's Sal. Appreciate y'all tuning into this one. Let's go get a Gary Woodland or as of right now, a Patrick Reed win. We'll see what else I get on Twitter at DFS. Peace out, gang.